Thanksgiving week, right? We've got a lot to be thankful for. And uh, with that thought in mind, obviously, I want to bring a message I hope will provoke our minds, our hearts. And uh, before we do that, though, I want to just ask quickly or to say quickly, announce we have our angel tree ornaments in the back. All of you know that every year after the children's program, we try to have a little special Christmas time with all the children over in the gym. So we need gifts for that. And Miss Meyer, I forgot, what is the limit on the gift? $10. So if you'll pick up one of those angel tree ornaments, that would be a great encouragement, great blessing. And so if you want to do that today or the next few weeks, please do. But remember, it needs to be in here by the 10th. Now on the angel tree, it will tell you what age and, of course, either girl or boy. And you can buy appropriately. If you have problems with that, there should be a list back there with some helpful ideas for that age group. All right? So help us out there. I know that would be a blessing to the youngins. Uh, would you open your Bible this morning, the precious Word of God, to the book of 2 Samuel. I'm going to fast forward here quite a bit, uh, getting away from just preaching, uh, you know, on the life of David per se as far as uh, chapter by chapter. We're going to go back, but I just felt led and uh, it's a convicting message even to me, so it's not something that it's going to be real enjoyable to preach, but I just feel led to preach it in 2 Samuel chapter 18 because of Thanksgiving week. I hope everyone, especially even the youngest that's here this morning, would do your very best to pay attention and to listen. To allow the words of God, uh, words of the Word of God to penetrate your heart, your mind, and for it to really do something and stir us in this matter. And when I preach, you'll understand the thought. It will be self-explanatory. Even the youngest child sitting in here today, you'll understand it. The problem will not be understanding it. The problem will be allowing the Lord to help us to put it into practice. And uh, of course, again, it's in the thought of Thanksgiving week. And uh, of course, here in 2 Samuel, we realize David has been king for some time. Uh, he's already committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He's already committed the sin of murder with Uriah. And we know now in 2 Samuel, we realize that his son, one of his children have already died because Absalom killed his own brother because he had did that which was unseemly to his sister. All of this took place, unfortunately, heartbreakingly, because of David's sin. If you remember when... The prophet came to David and said, Thou art the man. He told him because of his sin with Bathsheba, he lost his child. His child died. Bathsheba conceived. Not only that, God looked at him and said, The sword will never depart from the house. And of course we see great heartbreak, great consequences because of David's sin. And then we kind of see a culmination of all of this in 2 Samuel chapter 18. You would have never dreamed and by the way, you never dreamed that your own child would rebel against you, but he did. Absalom rebelled against his own father, and the Bible said he stole the hearts of the people. And uh, so now we find that King David has a remnant of people following him, and Absalom has a group of people following him, and 
We realize here in the previous chapter that there was a great battle that took place and David had asked all three of his captains to please deal gently with his son Absalom. He said, spare his life. Well, you know as well as I do, Joab was David's captain of the host. He was the five-star general over all of the armies of David. And We know the story. Absalom had long hair, was caught into a branch, and he was stuck, and he was hung between heaven and hell. The Bible says he was hung between heaven and the earth, and the horse went out from under him, and he was stuck. He couldn't get out. His hair was stuck, and it would have been a perfect way to have caught Absalom and made him surrender and took him as prisoner. But when Joab seen him, he killed him. He slaughtered him. And so David was waiting for the results of the battle, and people kept coming to him, and they were not giving him the full details that his son had been killed. Finally, this man comes, Amaz comes, and David asks the question, what about my son Absalom? He had asked everyone that had come to him, and no one answered him. But this man answered him. I want you to notice in verse 29 of 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel 18, verse 29. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Amaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and he stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the lord hath avenged thee this day for all of them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept. And as he went, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll take thy words and speak to our hearts. We'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you imagine? Now, here was a son that absolutely rebelled against his father in such a way that he raised an army to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but your son's your son. Your daughter's your daughter. Your child's your child. I think if true love exists there, you're going to love them no matter what. I did not say you would recommend everything they do. I want everyone to understand that. I believe there's a difference between loving your children and making excuses for their sin. Amen. Now, we have to be careful in those type of situations because no matter what, the heart is a real issue. David was heartbroken. He did not agree with Absalom. He knew what was going on in Absalom's life was wrong. He knew that it was going to lead probably to an awful end. He knew the consequences, but he certainly loved his son. And so when they went to war, he asked all of his captains, to spare his life. And we know that Joab did not listen. He killed him. 
Bible says he threw three darts, stuck three darts in him, killed him, slaughtered him, whereas he was defenseless, couldn't even protect himself. Now we know earlier that Joab had killed someone that same way, and David wanted to make sure the people knew that he had nothing to do with it. He was the one that killed Abner. And uh, so we see something in the life of Joab, and we know, sadly, Joab's life ends the same way later on but I want you to picture this scene why don't you put your place there maybe your child is young maybe your child's still at home you better pray to God that God will continue to protect their heart and keep their hearts I hope you're praying that I'll never forget years ago uh, I'll never forget it. I was at Greystone and, and Pastor was talking to me one day and he said that there was this young, there was this child at church. He kept misbehaving, so they had to keep getting on to the child. Well, pretty soon the mother calls. And she starts to get on to the pastor. And he, she starts to get on to everybody there at the church for getting on to their child. And I've never heard anybody say this, but Pastor said, I, I told that lady, he said, ma'am, he said, can I help you with something? He said, you better get you a truckload of toilet paper, toilet tissue. She's like, why in the world am I going to need that? He said, because your child is going to break your heart one day. So think about that. You say, why? Well, we understand influence and the way people are raised. By the way, I want to say this. It's no guarantee, but I can promise you this. The Bible is true, and the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Now, there's a lot of misrepresentation of that, that verse, but I want you to know, I, I truly believe it means exactly what it says. And I think it's our duty, our desire. We should have a desire that we, if we have children at home, that we ought to be raising them and the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But can I say to you, once they become an adult, you're limited. Now your life can still speak. Your, your, your life and, and your, your word still should have weight. But I'm going to be honest with you, the Bible says even a child is known by their doings. I'm just trying to encourage you that this man, David, did not desire for how Absalom's life turned out. I believe David failed as a father in a lot of ways, but I can promise you this, no father, no mother wants their child to raise up and go against everything that they've taught them. But Absalom did. But no matter the crime, no matter how hurtful it was, no matter how far Absalom went, I want you to put yourself in that place. If you love your child, you're to love your child whether they're trying to kill you or not. Amen. Now you don't approve of it. But if you love your child and it's a godly love, you're going to love them no matter what. Again, I did not say that you were going to be for everything they do. And by the way, I think sometimes there is a thing called tough love. I think there's a balance there. Some people say, well, Pastor Mark, they just go ahead and do it, so I'm going to do it for them. You need to be careful. I would not be aiding in their failures. Amen. I know it's quiet in here, but there's a lot of folks. You have a lot of children at home, and I'm just trying to encourage you. What you put into them now is no guarantee, but I can promise you this. 
Without it, they don't have a chance. So as we see this scene unfold, all he could wait was to wait for his son. I want to hear word from my son. So everybody that came, he said, what about the young man after? Well, finally, Cushai is scared to death to tell him. Even notice how Cushai tells him. He said, well, he didn't tell him the son was dead. He said, I want you to know, he said, all that rose up against you, king, is died. All that rose, yes. And basically he was trying to say to David, yes, David, King David, your son is dead. Some of the saddest words in all the Bible, verse 33, and the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept and as he went, thus he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had. That's what I want to preach on this morning. Would God I had. There's a lot of things there that David could have said. He said, oh, my son, my son, Absalom, the, the grief of knowing that his son had perished, knowing, and by the way, he's just like you and me. He had memory. He went back to when that little boy, Absalom, was no longer a man. He could go back to when that little boy was a little boy and David held him in his arms. He could go back to when, and memory, and remind himself that little boy, maybe when he skinned his knee, just like when our little children skinned his knee and he thought, oh my goodness, he had such high hopes for Absalom, just like we do with our children. So you could imagine the emotion. You could imagine the sorrow, I mean, even in words, we can't put that in words. I believe that God reveals His Word exactly the way it happened, but I could not even put in the emotion of how David would say, Oh, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Now, all of us know that if we love our children, we would die for our children. I don't know of one wife, one mother in this building today that would not choose to die for your children. If you truly love your children, you would take it before them. Can I get a witness? That's why we're living in such days where even in the safest places of where children should be safe, in the very, the very womb, the very protected place of a mother, we live in a nation today where they're not safe. Even by their own mother. But the safest place that I know of is a mother's care and a father's care until they're married. So you can imagine the emotion. You can imagine the heart. David's heartbroken. He just found that his son's dead. So he says this statement, Would God I had. Can I say... You're in one of two categories today and you will be in one of two categories the rest of your life. And I'm preaching this on the eve of Thanksgiving because we ought to be thankful, oughtn't we? But you're, you're either in one of two categories today and you'll be in one of two categories the rest of your life. You're either going to be living your life saying, what God I had, or you're going to be saying, thank God I did. I'm preaching out of experience this morning. I'm 49 years of age. I have a life of mistakes. I look at young people sometimes and they, they're so brash. They're so brazen. They think they've got everything figured out. They think they're going to be the ones that's going to break the mold. Can I help you just a second? You're going to live in one of two ways your life. You're either going to say, wish to God I would have or would God I had, or you're going to say, thank God I did. And that's going to be based on the decisions you make in life. 
David said, would God I had. I would have died for you, Absalom. In other words, he said, would there, I wish something would have been different. You know what David was really saying? David really was saying, oh, I wish I would have done different. Would God I had died for the Absalom. Would God I had. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want that to just really be brought out this morning. Would God I had. We're about in your life. By the way, you might be older today, and man, this really resonates with you because you're living now after certain things have happened in your life, and you look back over your life and say, man, I wish I would have did differently. Would God I had, or you're a young person right now and say, oh, I'll tell you what, I don't have any of those experiences. Well, I want to give you some this morning, and the reason I want to do is I want to stir your heart and mind to think about how important your life is and the decisions you make and how you talk to people, and how you handle people, and how you deal with people, it matters the rest of your life. You're either going to say, what God I had, or you're going to say, thank God I did. Now look, this is a holiday season. I cannot help but think during this time of my grandparents. All of them. All of them were alive when I was young. All of them. I, I spent every holiday, we did the same thing every holiday for years. There was never an empty chair. Every year for Thanksgiving, we would go to my grandma and grandpa Leslie's house. We went every year. We would eat supper there with them. We'd see all the family. We would leave there. We would go up on the mountain to my grandma Brandon. We would see her and all of that dad's family. We did that for years. In 1996, my grandmother... And my grandfather, my grandpa Leslie, died in 1996. Well, there was an empty chair at my grandma Leslie's house. It was forever changed. And I want you to know, the reason even that I preached this message years ago for the first time was at Greystone Baptist Church. I preached it because my grandma Brandon had just passed. And here's what I thought. I thought... Every time that I ever went up to my grandma's house, listen to me now, and took the time, took the time to spend some time with her. After she was gone, I'm going to tell you what I did. I said, thank God I did that. But you know what haunted me? Was all the times I could have did it more. You know what I said? What God I had. And that's what prompted me to preach this message many, many years ago. And now I'm seeing in this day where we're living in such a selfish world. We're living in such a busy world and everybody's so busy. And we, 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 we think that, hey, we, we're going we're gonna to live without no consequences. Listen to me. You're going to end up at the end of life saying, thank God I did or would God I had. Can I say to the person that might be here this morning or listening and you say, I'm unsaved. Can I say something to you? You're going to say, would God I had. You're going to say, would God I had. I, I would have, God, I have accepted Christ when I had the opportunity. By the way, when you think of all the times that you would not listen when the opportunity came and when you put it off, you will say, would God I had. You know what's sad? What's sad is I see so many people live life without any concern about God until they're getting ready to die. And then all of a sudden they do more praying, they do more thinking about it. And I want to say it's not because they haven't been invited to church. It's not because someone hasn't told them about Jesus. It's not because they haven't had the opportunity to read the Bible. I want to tell you something. They just haven't cared. 
They've been too busy in the world. They've gotten too sucked up in the things of this world and this earth and everything that's temporary. But one day when they're on their deathbed, they're going to say, would God I had. Can I say when you draw your last breath and you're separated from the ones that love you and they've been praying for you, you're going to say, would God I had. Can I say when you're in a, I sadly say this, when that person is in a godless hell and all they have then is memory, they're going to say the rest of their eternity, would God I had. Would God I had. For eternity. It amazes me today what people will claim to keep them from getting saved. One that's a great one, I, I, I think it's a sad one, is someone say, oh, I'm too embarrassed to get saved in church because I'm too embarrassed. Would you trade that for a godless hell for eternity? If we get a glimpse of what hell looked like walking down this long aisle, and by the way, I will say this, it's a long aisle. But it's small compared to eternity. Would God I had? When you think of all the times that you had the chance to accept Christ and now it's too late, you will say, would God I had. When you think of all the invitations that you heard and for whatever reasons you did not ever come forward to accept Christ, one day you'll say as David, would God I had. Now if you're here this morning and you're saved, you know what you're saying? Thank God I did. How many of you glad you got saved today? Amen. Well, that's what Thanksgiving's all about. We ought not let 2023 go by this year, this week of Thanksgiving and say, you know what, I should have let so-and-so that I was thankful for him know. You ought to say, thank God I did. Put the time in. Put the effort in. Uh, this year, at maybe at the dinner table, maybe there's someone there. And uh, you don't talk a whole lot. Well, maybe this year you ought to say, you know what? I'm going to spend more time with this person. Uh, Miss Dana was talking about someone in their family and uh, basically possibly could be living in their last days. I think, I think when we go to our next Thanksgiving family dinner or when we all get together around the table, will that possibly be the last time we're all there? We do not know. But I'll tell you what. If we do it the right way, we would never say, would God I had, we would say, thank God I did. I think about my grandpa, Listen, I can't help it. You know, as a teenager now, I was a teenager. I was busy and I didn't want to be stopped by my grandpa. Because he took up my time. You know, when you're, when you're a teenager, you're, in, you know, you're young, you're busy, you've got more important things to do. But when you're a child, your grandparents are important to you. But all of a sudden I've learned the older you get, the less important they are to you. Somebody say amen. Where we used to go and see him and talk to him, we no longer do that. And by the way, I was guilty in that in some of my life, so I'm not sitting here telling you that I was perfect. But I, I, I will say this. My grandpa Leslie would always, I cannot remember a time ever walking up there to his home that he did not stop me. I, I, I've tried. I, I'm sure that he, there was time. But most of the times when I think about Grandpa, he was in the den, and the moment I said, man, hopefully I can get in the house without Grandpa stopping me. But it was without fails, like he'd stop me. He'd say, hey, Mark, come here. And I'd go over there to the couch. He, he had a couch in the den. When you walk in their room or in their house from the front, from the front porch, 
it opened up and there was a long room there sideways and over here on the, this was his den he had a couch over there and he had books he kept his Bible there's where he did all of his reading that's where he read all of his periodicals and so as soon as you walked in the door you couldn't get away from him because he caught you you come in the door he'd say Mark come here and I'd go over and sit down and many times it was reluctantly oh my goodness I'm in a hurry I want to go do this and he sat down and I'll never forget it he'd always share something with me from a magazine, from a newspaper, from something. And I'm telling you, it was always bad. It was always concerning. Even as a teenager or a middle ager, middle school, I could remember saying, man, that's bad. But then he would close that down, he'd shut it, he'd lay it down, and without fail, he'd open the Bible. Without fail. He'd say, now, let me tell you what. Now, here's what amazed me. I didn't think much about it then. But you know what? My grandpa knew enough about the Bible to contradict what the world was saying. I wonder how many men today could do that. I didn't even think about that when I was young, but I've thought about that through the years. So he knew enough about the Bible to tell me, now, let me tell you what God said. And then without fail, he'd read something that completely gave me peace and encouragement over what somebody in the world just said. Isn't that a blessing? Y'all know what? We need some more James Leslie's like that. But I'm going to be honest with you, not every time Mark Brandon was recipient of that. But you know what? I look back at my life and the times I did, I say, thank God I did. The times that I tried to avoid him, what God I had. We're either going to live life, thank God I did, or what God I had. If you're lost here this morning, if you're lost online, listen to me. You're going to say one day, you've had all these opportunities to get saved you're going to say one day, would God I had. Can I say to the unconcerned, you're going to one day say, would God I had. The one unconcerned about family members that did not show them love and attention, when death comes, you're going to say, would God I had. By the way, they can't smell the rose in the coffin. Amen? Flowers are best enjoyed while people can enjoy them. It's amazing to me in the day we live in, man, everybody shows up when someone dies. I ask this, where were you when they were alive? Amen. I'm going to tell you why. So many people are so busy living their own life, they're unconcerned. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm old enough to know I'm 49. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to you based on experience. I know how when the memories roll, and we look back and examine our lives, we're either going to say, thank God I did, or would God I had. The one unconcerned about family members that did not show them love and attention, with death, when death comes, you will say, would God I had. Can I speak to the younger generation just a second? I think I have a right. Not because I have excelled in this, but because of my age and because of what I have came in contact in being in ministry and in church and dealing with people's lives and their mistakes and my mistakes and my regrets and their regrets. I've never heard one person on their deathbed ever say, I spent too much and I loved my mother and father too much. I've never heard of one on their deathbed say, oh, I'll tell you what I did. I loved my parents too much. I've never heard anybody say that, but I'm going to tell you what I have said. Oh, my, I've heard them say, oh, my goodness, I've treated my parents awful. I wish I had it to do over. What are they saying with God I had? 
Would God I had? Or, thank God I did. I'll never forget when my grandpa Brandon passed away. My grandpa Brandon was kind of aloof with the family for years. You know, he, he was real, he was into his own thing. He, he was into his own thing. He, he lived his own life. Not to say that he didn't show up. I remember he showed up at Christmas one time. I, I'll never forget it because, you know, girls are more detailed than boys. And, man, he come upstairs and said, what all did y'all get for Christmas? Well, man, my sister showed him everything. I'll never forget this, man. I mean, she showed him everything. She said, I got this, I got this, I got You know, it was a bunch of stuff. Well, I got the same amount. My parents always spent the same amount on me and my sister Kim. But I didn't go into all the detail. I just showed him a couple of things. Well, I can tell it bothered my grandpa. You know what he did? I'll never forget it. He reached down in his back pocket and he pulled his wallet out, which he never did. He said, he handed me a $5 bill. He said, here, don't tell nobody. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, why did he do that? I said, I know why. I said, he thought my parents gypped me and gave more to Kim. <laughs> that was so unlike my grandpa. I'm telling you. But it was rare. But towards the end of his life, he became more family-oriented. I'll never forget the night that he passed. He had gotten real sick, and he had had a stroke, and he, we took him to the hospital. I'll never forget it. I should have known. I think mom kind of knew. We all kind of knew. But his eyes had already set, but he was talking. And out of all those things that my grandpa lived for, all he cared about was a car. All he cared about, excuse me, was a girlfriend. You'll never guess the only few words that came out of his mouth that night before he died. You know what it was? He looked up. And he said, I just want everything to be okay with my family. He wanted all of his boys there. Two of them were. Two were on their way. And my father, I looked at him, I said, he just wants to make sure everything's okay. And my dad, being the oldest son, said to him, Dad, everything's good. We're all here. Because Mike was there. Dad was there. Clinton and Nathan was on their way. They couldn't get there yet. But do you know that he passed that night? I'm going to tell you why. I believe because he was assured that everything was okay. He didn't care about his car. He didn't care about all the things he'd done when he was a young man. All he wanted to make sure was is that everything was okay with him and his family. Would God I had, or thank God I did. One that are living in sin and not living the way that you know you ought to live. One day, your life is going to be wrecked and ruined. And you're going to have some horrible things to overcome. You're going to say, would God I had. One where you were unconcerned about your marriage and you let other influences in. And you have trouble in the greatest Greatest relationship that God's ever given you. I promise you, you're either going to say, would God I had, or thank God I didn't. Ones that are living your life for sin and the pleasures of this world. The day comes when all of your dreams have been banished, and you're going to say, would God I had. Ones that are unconcerned of God's will in their life and not allowing God to direct their lives. One day when your life has no meaning and those evil days come, you're going to say, would God 
I had. The unconcerned dad who has not taught his children the importance of following the Lord and they grow up having nothing to do with God, you'll say, would God I had. Can I just say something to men here just a minute? Look, I'm perfectly, I am, I am perfectly no good and great example. I look back over my life and I've seen so many mistakes that I've made, but I will tell you this. We had a desire and we raised our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We were faithful to church. We tried to explain to them why. We tried to keep them grounded in the things of God. But I'm going to tell you something. It's no guarantee. But without it, they don't have a chance. And listen, I know most of us today, most of us fathers, we're proud when they can hit a ball. We're proud when they can shoot a basketball. I'd be proud if they can shoot a gun. I would be proud if they can even pull back a bow. And man, they might win all these championships and all of these things. But I'm telling you, we have failed as a father if we do not lead them to God. And by the way, it's like we have subcontracted people to raise our children today. In other words, like a father might say, well, that's the preacher's job. I'm going to take him down to the church, let the preacher get on him. No, you should be his greatest preacher. You should be his greatest preacher. You ought to be his greatest example. You ought to be the one to be able to talk to your son and train him and teach him in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's nobody else's job. By the way, I'll help you. I will assist you, but it's not my job. But I'm telling you, we, we have professional baseball players. We have professional, by the way, I'm for all of it. <laughs> professional plumbers. Hey, we have professional, and by the way, I need a plumber now. So I'm not against plumbers, I'm not against auto mechanics, I'm not against baseball players, I'm for all of them. But I'm telling you right now, and by the way, I know there's professional fishermen, I'm not against any of them. But I'm saying we can produce those. When are we going to produce some professional, godly young men? If we can train them how to shoot a gun, we can train them how to read the Bible. If we can train them how to, to fix a, a carburetor, we can teach them how to lead somebody to the Lord. God help us. We're either going to say, would God I had or thank God I did. Can I say the unconcerned uh, mother who has neglected the fact to teach her children to be humble in spirit and when her children raise up to be rebels, she would say, would God I had. The unconcerned child who has neglected the fact that he had an opportunity to honor, to honor, to honor his parents. To honor her parents. You have the opportunity to honor your parents. Can I just say to every child here this morning, it is a disgrace to this day that we are so disrespectful to the very people, listen to me, the very people that have given you everything. By the way, your mother went through the pangs of death to even bring you into this life. Somebody say amen. Does that not mean something? And by the way, I know as a parent, parents sacrifice a lot for their children. Can I get a witness? I pick with mine every once in a while. Do y'all know I could probably have, if my wife would let me have it, I could have the biggest, longest bass boat a man could own. 
I could have my own piece of property. I wouldn't even have to go hunt public. If, hey, if I wouldn't have sacrificed. You say, oh, Pastor Mark, that sounds awful. Doesn't that sound awful? But you know what? I'd do it again. We'd all do it again. We, we want the best for our children, amen? And so let me just say to every child, you, ch you say, well, I don't have the perfect parents. Well, they don't have the perfect child. <laughs> but you ought not be so unconcerned. And by the way, if anybody tries to get you not to respect and honor your parents, listen to me, they're wrong. You say, oh, well, pastor, they made a bunch of mistakes. I know, and so does God, but he still says you're to honor your parents. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Y'all look at me. Y'all look at me right now. One day when all you have left is memory and ruin, here's what you're going to say. Would God I had. Or you're going to say, thank God I did. The unconcerned teenage girl who does not keep herself pure before marriage and by the way, you ought to keep yourself pure when you have to have that little baby all alone without a husband to share it, you're going to say, would God I had. There are certain things that we ought to understand that God designs and why he designs it and why he desires certain things certain ways. The unconcerned teenage boy who lives his own life thinking that he answers to no one finds himself in a jail cell one day. He'll say, would God I had. The unconcerned Christian who says, I don't want to be sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just be casual in my faith. When you find that you're in the middle of a crisis in your life, you're going to say, would God I had. The unconcerned Christian parents who do not attend church faithfully and plant their family in the house of the Lord. When your children grow up and do not attend church at all, and go so far that where you'd never dream that they would go, you would say, would God I had. And quickly, can I say the unresponsive, when God tugs at your heart for the first time or for the last time and you don't respond, and you draw your last breath, you'll say, would God I had. Just like this service today, maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart. If you do not respond, I promise you, one day you will say, would God I had. When the last invitation is extended to you and you don't respond and there's no more chances, you'll say, would God I had. When you hear the truth of the word of God and do not respond the way he would have you to respond, when you realize that this is the last time that you hear the truth, you will say, would God I had. If you're lost and you're left at the rapture to face all the horrors, of the Antichrist, the wars of the famines, you're going to say, would God I had. Draws me to my conclusion. Y'all remember at the beginning of the service, I said there's only going to be one of two categories today. You're either going to say, as David, would God I had, or you're going to say, thank God I did. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I've made a lot of mistakes. Okay, so have I. But I love what Benny Allen says, just a country preacher on the mountain. If you ain't doing right, just get it right. And just start doing right. Somebody say amen. 
Can I say to every child here today, you got parents alive, you better show them you love them. I'll even go a step farther. If you have grandparents alive, you ought to tell them that you love them. You ought to show them that you love them. You ought to be thankful for what they do for you because there'll be a day that chair will be empty and you'll be like David, would God I had. Do you want to be a would God I had her or a thank God I did her? I think I would rather be I thank God I did. Amen? Thank God I did. Thank God I did. Could you imagine David, his son, and all he can say is would God I had. You know why he pulled that? Because all he had was memory. His son was gone. That's all he had. And the stark reality that he was never going to be able to see his son again on this planet, all he could say is, would God I had. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning, would you, would you be honest? Some of you old enough, you understand what I'm talking about. Now, we can't let these things haunt us. Because if we dwell on our mistakes, it will defeat us. But I think we need to have a healthy look at this and realize there's been some mistakes in our lives. There's been some unconcern. Can I ask, how many of you older people have lived long enough with some of this regret that you know what I'm talking about? Would you raise your hand? You know what I'm talking about. If you wouldn't mind, I would like for you to keep your hand up. And I'd like for every child and every person, every young person that don't have their hand up, I'd like for you to look around. So if you've raised your hand, would you keep it up? I think there's a testimony there. I think what the message is about is to try to decrease the people in this room as they get older saying, would God I had. But rather change that. You may put your hands down. Rather change that to saying, thank God I did. Would you stand to your feet this morning with head bowed and eyes closed? How many of you know, as with me, along with me, you wish you could go back and, with God I had, done something different? How many of you know that? Would you raise your hand? I, I would too. But look, we can't. We can't. So where does that leave us? We have to change it now. We have to change it now. Now, even as I speak, First of all, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm here and I'm lost. Then look, you need, to, you need to get saved because down the road you're going to say, would God I had. Today's the day. You'll be thankful. You'll say, thank God I did. But maybe you're here and you're unconcerned and maybe something along those lines, God had it just for you and you know he rung your bell. Then you need to let him have his way in your life today. Just say yes. Change it. 
Can I ask before we close, how many of you know right now there's somebody, because this happens to me often. I'll just think of somebody that's done something for me or been a blessing to me, and it's like I have to hurry up and get to them and let them know I appreciate them. <laughs> it might be by a text. might be a call. It might just be I, I grab somebody here and say, hey, I want you to know. But how many of you that right now maybe something through the message of God's word, it's prompted you, there's someone in your life and you know that they need to hear your love, your devotion, your thankfulness to them. Did that spark anybody's mind today? If you, if you would, you raise your hand, you know somebody like that? Do it today. You'll thank God you did. How many of you, like me, would like to make this Thanksgiving week a special week? We've got family that we're going to be around, friends that we're going to be around. Let's, let's not take it for granted. Let's thank God that we put all we could into it. And then spiritually speaking, if you're not where you ought to be, I promise you, you'll, you'll dread that day when you say, God, I had. Why don't you just come clean today and say, thank God I did. Maybe there's a child here today and you've not been very honorable to your parents. Well, today's the day to change it. And I promise you this, you'll thank God you did. Miss Cindy's going to play something on the piano. How many of you know the Lord spoke to you? Then you, you make your pew a place to pray. Come. If you're lost, would you come? If you're online, you're listening today, you say, oh, i got plenty of time. You don't know that. You'll thank God you did it today. I tell you, them what God I had moments are rough. Those are tough moments, boy. Those are tough. Those are tough. I wish none of us had to go through it. But a message like today, a word today, like today, can help us minimize those moments. And have more of thank God I did. Thank God. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we read this passage with heartbreak. Lord, we can feel the heartbreak David had when he heard that his son died. And Lord, he took personal responsibility in it. He knew where that lay. He knew where that came from. And so Lord, he was saying, but God, I had done a lot of things different some of the saddest words in all the Bible. But Lord, you've given us life. We're here today. And so I pray you'll help us today to change this in our lives. Not to be unconcerned. Lord, if we're unsaved, that we, we will not stay unsaved. Lord, if we're unresponsive, Lord, we'll respond. And Lord, we're thankful that you can help us to thank God we did. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Be back tonight. You'll thank God you did.